my superpower growing up as a kid was being invisible. Because、mm. when you feel like you're broken, you don't want to stand out. You don't want the attention. You don't want the spotlight. I always tell people if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And I said, I can't read all this. I have schoolwork. And he looks at me when I say schoolwork. He says, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. I really wanted to solve this riddle about how does my brain work so I could work my brain. When I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. It's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart? Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I'm your host Kerwin Ray, and today we get fast. Fast is slow, and slow is fast. But how good would it be if you could read at ten times the speed you read at right now, and not only read ten times faster, but remember ten times more? Well, today is the day where you're going to get some insights into how that is possible with world-renowned expert Jim Quick, who is a speed reading, memory improvement, and brain performance authority with over 25 years' experience in teaching. He is sought for by celebrities all over the world, such as John Travolta, Tony Robbins, Simon Sinek,、uh, and even Will Smith. Jim Quick will transform the way you think, learn, live, and in this episode of Unstoppable, we find out about why and how Jim actually got onto the path that he's on, and what got him to where he is today as one of the world's foremost experts on speed reading and performance learning. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Quick, listen up. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me, where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive, but also an execution standpoint. We execute. Every step of the way, and we're looking at five key areas. We're looking at your psychology. We're looking at your marketing, your sales, your leadership, and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly. So, if you'd like to find out more information, KerwinRay.com. The brain.、Hey. <laughs> how are you, man? Good、okay. to see you. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, it's very impressive. Oh, mate, there's more. Yeah, yeah let's show <laughs> the team show you around. Amazing. We have uh, all uh, superpowers catered for. Your content, like you're really touching a nerve, and I don't mean that, and I mean, there's no pun intended. Right. But with the brain, like you know, because I'm assuming there's a lot of people that have had brain injury that have. Benefited as a result of of your help, so I can imagine some of these stories could be quite significant. They're not just oh well, you helped me remember, you、yeah. know, the list of ingredients to go to the shop, or you helped me remember、right. ones of lessons. Like some people, you're actually helping them actually, you know, reintegrate into life in some respects. I'd imagine. You know, I get a lot of comments from people. Yes, we have the people that I'm so happy I read faster, or、yeah. my memory and remembering names. But the ones that really shake you, the, the most of them are actually an identity shift,、mm. where people feel like at some point in their life they felt like they were broken, or they felt like they were stupid, they felt like they were labeled, and they were limited. And、um, to liberate people from limitation, to be unstoppable. <laughs>、yeah. And I feel like we're kindred spirits in, yeah, that, in that respect, helping people transcend, you know, really end that trance. Whatever those limiting beliefs came from, because it's interesting. Because when we're born, we're a blank slate,、yeah. right? And somehow those things got imprinted on us. 
your brand's at a level now where being an introvert, I'm going to assume that brings up interesting stuff for you in the public in the public space. Is that is that a fair statement or a fair assumption? It is. Um, yeah. And I'm introverted and I'm also shy on top of it because when, you know, I had this accident when I was five. Okay. This brain injury. It was in kindergarten class. So I've always been curious about this injury. Like I've heard it talked about, but I've never actually understood what it was. What, like what actually happened? Yes. So we were in uh, kindergarten, uh, which is when we're about five years old yeah. for schooling. And um, one day there's all this commotion outside of, of the building of, of the school. And there were all these fire trucks. And for me, fire fighters were these superheroes. Yeah. You know, I, um, I always, who doesn't love superheroes when you're growing up, but down the, my block was the firehouse. And I always saw these individuals they are so brave that they go into danger when most people are trying to, to flee it, right? Anyway, there's sirens outside and everyone's going up to look and we're so tiny, right? Because we're five years old, we can't see outside the window. So everyone grabs their chair and they from their desk and they put it by the windowsill and they climb up and they look at the firefighters, see what's going on outside. And when I'm doing that, one of the other students pulled the chair from underneath me and just so that they could use it, you know, right. and I go, I go head first right into this radiator and, um, you know, and there's a lot of, there's blood, blood and I, there's not a lot of memories around it, but yeah. my parents, you know, I was obviously rushed to the hospital. My parents said I was never the same. My personality changed. It's just, you know, I had this long streak of labels and learning challenges and, Bad focus. So what age was that? It's five years old. Five years old. And, and are you still conscious of the labels that was that started to get used, like post, you know, post accident? Completely, because um, you know, at the age of nine, a teacher pointed to me in front of the whole class and said, "That's the boy with the broken brain." Right. And that's where I kind of took that. And adults have to be very careful with their external words because your external words become a child's internal words. It becomes their dialogue. That became a little it. voice. Exactly. So every time I did badly on a test, a quiz, an exam, I would always say, oh, because I have the broken brain. Or if I was in pick for football or, you know, team that sports, was the song. I would just, yeah, I'm the broken one. And so I became, I talk about super powers and superheroes a lot because I, um, I couldn't read when I was a kid for a few years because yep. my brain injury, it took me longer. And I taught myself how to read by reading comic books. That's so interesting. And something about the themes, good versus evil, you know, one person can make a difference, hope, help. What age was it when you started getting into the comic books? Uh, it would, that's how I learned how to read. So it was about yeah. eight years old, eight. Nine. And what was the first character that really took your imagination and was like, ooh, because it sounds like it was a, something that you were interested in that gave you a set of skills. Like, it did. You're interested in the comics. Who was the first character that grabbed your imagination? So my favorite characters growing up were the uh, were the X-Men team. Oh, yeah, nice. You know, so I love Wolverine yeah. <laughs> and Professor okay. X. And it was interesting because one, uh, I mentioned this at your event, one of the defining moments was when I was reading, I found out that the school, and the reason why the X-Men were so, uh, they're not the strongest, but for me, they were my favorite because they didn't fit in. Mm. They are mutants and they were marginalized and people didn't understand them. And I felt like for me growing up with these learning issues, I felt like I was labeled and kind of a mutant myself. Uh, but the cool thing was when I was reading the comic books, I found out that their school, they actually have an actual academy where they train 
their X-Men to discover and develop their superpowers uh, was in was in Westchester, New York, and that's where I grew up. <laughs> wow. So on there's all this serendipity. It, there is a lot of serendipity like, here. Oh, I got to get chosen at some point. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. at the age of nine, I'm actually riding my bicycle like almost every weekend, trying to find search for this, find yeah. the school of, for the gifted, because I wanted to find my superpowers. I wanted to find my my super friends, mm. if you will, because my my superpower growing up as a kid was going back to being an introvert was being invisible because mm. when you feel like you're broken, you don't want to stand out. You don't want the attention. You don't want the spotlight. I, I would be invisible and you know, I could even feel my body even thinking about just trying to shrink in just because you don't want to get called on in class because you don't have the answer. It's like even when that book was passed around when you're first teaching you how to read, everyone gets really nervous. And I actually think, Kerwin, that's why people are afraid of public speaking because a big part of it came from when we first learned how to read, we would pass around that book and you had to read out loud, public mm -hmm. speak. But of course you're not great at it the first time. So, um, you know, I got, you know, people get so nervous and have so much anxiety around that, be able to perform when you're not great at something. So for me, um, when the book came to me, I would just stare at the words. They didn't mean anything. I would just pass it on. And it was just really, really challenging. I remember there was a time where I could, I was failing out of, uh, high school English. And um, they they called my parents in and the teacher said, hey, for extra credit, you could do this book report on Albert Einstein and a little bit about Da Vinci, about genius, right? And, um, and I agreed to do it. And I'm in the library for weeks and weeks and weeks after school. And I, hadn't, I, you know, I even had this book report professionally bound and I was so excited to turn it in because I put my heart and soul into it and this was it represented like my my potential right and uh, the day it was due the teacher has their class and at the end of class she says I have a surprise for you everybody Jim come up on you know in front of the class and give a talk on your book report and I didn't know I had to give a speech on it and so I freaked out I was so nervous I actually lied and said I didn't do it and oh, I, wow. and I, you could see the disappointment in her eyes. And when uh, the class left, I would take the book report. I took it and put it right in the trash. Wow. Because, How old was uh, that? This was in high school. I was in high school. So it was, it was like, I was also throwing out metaphorically my, you know, my power or yeah. my potential. And, uh, but I was so nervous about public speaking. That's kind of interesting. My two biggest struggles growing up as a child were, learning and public speaking and that's then that's all I, the universe has a sense of humor because that, that, that's all i do for a living uh travel the world public speaking on this thing called uh called learning so at what point did you start to work out how to learn because one of the reasons i love you so much is i can relate to your story and i don't know how much you know about my story but i've got a couple of brain injuries um but even before i had the brain injuries at the age of seven or eight i was, I was diagnosed with as learning disabled <clears throat> Dyslexic, ADHD, because I was very hard to control. I found it, it took me longer to, to learn. And I never actually read a book until the age of 23. And then since 23, I developed this passion to go, shit, I want to learn how to learn. And that's when I started off with the original, like the Tony Buzan stuff. Right. You know, back in the day before I actually stumbled across, across your stuff. And so there was a point, I remember this point in my life where I picked up the book. It was the first book I read that I remembered. It was called The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz. And I remember reading it and finishing it in like two days. And first of all, I was like, fuck, I finished the book. And second, I was like, wow, I can actually remember what I read. And I remember that was the def defining moment where I was like, 
maybe I'm not stupid because mm. I've been given that broken brain, like that stupid label. And that to me was like a moment in time. I still remember it. I was at the back, <laughs> at the back of, in a storeroom of a sports store that I was managing at the time, finished the book. And I had that thought, fuck, maybe I'm not stupid after all. And then I started to pursue the, the, the learning. I'm curious, did you have one of those moments where all of a sudden you went, maybe I don't have a broken brain. Maybe I am a fucking genius. Like, do you remember that? I, I, I do. It wasn't an actual moment, but it was a, I mean, it was a series of them. But um, when I was 18, I was lucky to get into a university because I honestly didn't have the grades for it. And as a freshman, I thought freshman meant I could make a fresh start because... <laughs> I'm a freshman. Right, exactly. And I purposely picked a school that I didn't know anybody was going to because I realized at that age, at even at 18, that we we tend to try to fit ourselves in a box that people, you know, and the box is made up of other people's opinions and their expectations of you. And uh, so I picked a school that people didn't know who I was so I could make a fresh start and um, took all these classes and with the hopes of doing better, but I actually do worse because, you know, university is a lot harder than, than, than high school. And um, I was ready to quit because my, my parents, they, they immigrated to the United States. Um, we have the typical story. I mean, we didn't have any money, didn't have any education, didn't have, you know, contacts. We lived in the back of a laundromat that my mother worked at. I mean, wow. it, was, it, was, it was a challenge. And so... Um, where, you, where are you originally from? So they came from um, from China. Yeah, right. And so, um, and so, you know, it's one of those things where it's not about resources externally. It's more about this resourcefulness that we have internally. Mm. And um, but they didn't have the money. And you know, for me to be in school, and I'm the oldest of uh, of three children, um, I wanted to be a good example for my younger siblings. And I was doing worse, so I I had this all this pressure. And I but I need I, school wasn't very. Um, you know, rewarding for, you know, in terms of the results I was getting. So I was ready to quit. And I didn't know how to tell my my folks and disappoint them. And I had a, all this stress. And my a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you take the weekend off? I'm going to go home for the weekend. Why don't you come with me and get some perspective? And I really do believe perspective is very important when it comes to our life. A uh, change of, usual change of place or a change of people that you spend time with can change your point of view. And it helps you to get out of yourself and think in a different way. And so I agree to go um, for the weekend. And the family is pretty well off, uh, very different than um, the way I grew up. And the father's walking me around his property before dinner and asked me a very innocent question, which is the worst question you could ask me at that time is, how's school? <laughs> and I just, I, I, as, as introverted as I am, I just break down emotionally right in front of this stranger. Wow. And I tell him my whole story, brain injury, boy with a broken brain, learning challenge, all these labels, and I'm, school's not for me. And I don't know how to, you know, I got to quit because don't, we don't have the money for me to be going to school. And he's like, Jim, and he asked me another question. He said, Jim, why are you in school? I'm like, what do you want to be, do, have, share? And I honestly did not have an answer because nobody's ever asked me that question before. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? I just assumed everyone just goes to school, right? To get a job or whatever. And, um, and I go to answer him and he says, stop. And he pulls out of a journal out of his back pocket and tears out a couple of sheets and makes me write it down, which is interesting because I never wrote down goals or dreams, but it's a success principle, right? Yeah. And when I'm done, I have a couple of pages of just free flowing um, ideas of what 
I imagine a great life would be. And I fold the sheets of paper to put in my pocket because I thought the exercise was done. And he reaches out and he grabs them right out of my hand. And now you have this stranger who's going through my deepest dreams and goals, which I've never shared with anybody, maybe even with myself because I didn't think about him. And he's just reading them. And it's very intimidating, right? You're this 18-year-old kid who doesn't know anything. And there's somebody in front of you who's obviously very successful and just looking at your, your biggest dreams. And when he's done, he looks up and he says, Jim, you are this close to everything on that list. And he spreads his index fingers about a foot apart. And I'm thinking, no way. Give me, give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack that list. And he takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head meaning that what's in between my, yeah, wow, my brain is the key. And he takes me into a room of his home that I've never seen before. You would love it. It was wall-to-wall, ceiling floor, covered in books. Oh, my God. And I've never seen a library in somebody's home before. Wow. And remember, mm. I've never read a book cover to cover at this yeah. time either, and yeah, I'm 18 right. years old, and I'm not a good reader. Yeah. And it's like being in a room full of snakes, if you're afraid <laughs> of snakes. It's like very intimidating. <laughs> and, and what makes it worse is he starts going to the shelves and grabbing snakes and, and handing them to me. <laughs> and I'm looking at these titles and there are these incredible biographies of women and men in history and some very early personal growth books, the ones that you've read. You know, The, uh, the Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, Napoleon Hill, How to Win Friends and Influence People, all the classics, right? Uh, Psycho-cybernetics. So I was just about to say psycho-cybernetics. Right, all the, all the classics. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and I'm holding all these books in a pile in my, in my arms. And he says, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm thinking, have you not heard my story? <laughs> and I always tell people, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm. And I'm arguing for how stupid I am and how, you know, challenged I am. And uh, I'm defending my, my, my challenges, right? And, um, and I said, I can't read all this. I have mid I have schoolwork. And he looks at me when I say schoolwork, he says, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And we've heard, I didn't realize it was a Mark Twain quote cause this is 20, more than 25 years ago. And I was like, that's very insightful, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. but I still, I can't commit to doing that. Cause my, you know, the way, how I was raised, it was one of those things where my family didn't, they're not the most health conscious or the the most well off financially or they, they're the most educated. They're just really good people. They, they 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 do what they say they're going to do and they work very hard and they're kind. And I said I can't commit to reading all these books because if I do, I'm going to do it and I'm not capable of doing that. And very smart man, he reaches into his pocket and he takes out my my dreams, my my bucket list, which he still has, and he starts to read every single one of my goals out loud. And something Kerwin about hearing your deepest dreams, your biggest dreams out of somebody else's voice, mm. like sent out into the universe, it messed with my mind and my, my heart, my spirit, something fierce, honestly. And on that list, a lot of the things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents, uh, for my family, things mm. that they can never, they would, they, they couldn't afford to do for themselves or even if they could they wouldn't do those kind of things and th that also leads me to st in terms of we talked about the power of perspective we talked about the power of questions to help us be unstoppable and then what another thing that makes you unstoppable is having a reason 
because I believe reasons reap rewards, reasons reap results. And here was a list of my reasons, things I wanted to do for the people I cared about. And I, I offer this to everyone who's listening. It's like, we all have things that we're putting off or things that we know we should do, but we procrastinate or we sabotage. And one of the things that could help you get out of that is a different perspective, like for me, um, also getting around different people, also for me, different questions. Because, like, here's a question. Who's counting on you right now to be a unstoppable? Who's counting on you right now to be on your A-game, you know, in your life? And for me, it was my family. And, um, and so with that leverage and that motivation, understanding my purpose, you know, as Simon Sinek talks about, start with why, I had my reasons that he was reading out to me, and I agreed to read one book a week. And so now fast forward, I'm at school and I have a pile, I'm sitting at my desk, I have a pile of books I have to read for school and a pile of books I promised to read. And I really couldn't get through pile A, right? And so how do I get through pile B and A? I don't eat, I don't sleep. This is before audio books, by the way, as well. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't work out, I don't spend time with friends, all the things that we know are good for you. I just live in the library and I'm just, I'm wasting away, you know, and... A few, you know, weeks and months of this, I end up passing out out of sheer exhaustion in the library. I fell down a flight of stairs. Um, I hit my head again. Oh, shit. And I woke up two days later in the wow. hospital. Wow. And at this point, I, I thought I died. And maybe part of me wished I did. It was very, it was the darkest time in my life. Right. And I was wasting away. I was down to 117 pounds. Wow. Um, so I lost all this weight and I was hooked up to all these IVs and I thought there has to be a better way. And when I had that thought, the nurse came in with a mug of tea and on it was a picture of Albert Einstein, which is so strange because that was like what I spent months doing a book report on, right, on his <laughs> life. And the words he was speaking to me, it was, it was a quote on the, on, the, on the mug that said, you've heard this quote in some form, the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. The same level of thinking that's created our problem won't solve it. And it made me ask a new question, like how do I think differently about this problem? I was like, well, what's my problem? My problem is I'm a very slow learner. And then I was thinking, how do I think differently about it? Well, maybe I can learn how to learn faster. And you you ask a new question, you get a different answer. And my first answer was, oh, I could learn it from school. So I asked the nurse to bring me a course bulletin with all the classes for next semester. And she did. And I'm flipping through it pages, pages, pages of looking at classes I could take. And they're all classes on what to learn, but not how to learn. Mm. You know, I know I realized that when people see me at events like yours and I do these demonstrations where I have you know people stand up and I memorize the first few row, rows of names or they give me 100 words or 100 numbers, I always tell people, I, I don't do this to impress you, I do this to express to you what's possible. Mm. Because the truth is, everyone who's listening to this could do that and a lot more. You could be getting up each morning and turning your brain on. You could get through your to-do list. You could, you know, get that raise. You could meet that ideal person. But we have these limits that we don't realize that we we have that have been imprinted on us. And, you know, this is really about transcending. It's about ending the trance, this mass hypnosis, these lies that we've been told. You know, it's a process of, I call it unlimiting. 
you know, where it's, you know, we, we are, we are limitless, but we have to go through a process of unlimiting ourselves. It's yep. like a verb yep. uh, constantly on learning bad constantly habits. Removing the speed limiter. Exactly. Yeah. Very much so. And so I, um, I, when I got out of that hospital bed, I devote my studies and not for school, but in learning how to learn. I, I really wanted to solve this riddle about how does my brain work so I could work my brain? Mm. How does memory work so I could work my memory? And I started studying adult learning theory and psychology, and I started studying things like neuro brain science and ancient memory techniques. Like what did people do before there was books, you know, printing presses or smart devices, right? Mm. Or, or, or audible. What did people do? How did they remember information, pass on information? And so I started studying ancient mnemonics. Like what did the ancient Greeks do thousands of years ago? What did, um, you know, ancient um, native uh, uh, indigenous tribes do to hold on to information and pass on history through generations without external technology uh, to be able to do that? And I started studying all these things and I, about 60 days into it, a light switch just turned on and I started to understand things for the first time. Wow. I, and I remember the incident, it was, um, I was in class and it was a lecture center of, I never talk about this, but it was, it was a few hundred people in a lecture center and they used to have these slides before the internet, they would have these like these slide projectors and the professor put something up on there and about 15 seconds into it, I start laughing. And, and I'm really, I'm always shrinking down in class, not getting, and I don't want to be called on or, or anything. And everyone turns around, 300 people just turn around and look, you know, my direction because I was laughing out loud. And um, about 30 more seconds into it, there was a ripple of laughter throughout the lecture center. And we were all reading what was on the screen because it was, it was that humor to it. But I guess I had read it super fast yeah, right. <laughs> because I had, you know, unfolded and developed these, these superpowers. And, um, and the reason why I'm doing it today is because I couldn't help but help other people. Yeah. And um, because I was really angry that I struggled for a decade and a half thinking I was a loser, thinking I wasn't smart, um, thinking I had no potential or, or personal worth when there were simple things that we could have done to be able to activate those parts of our brain that, that I wasn't. I realized that it's not about how smart you are. Some of you listening are asking yourself how, how smart you are, how smart your kids are, how smart your team is. It's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart. Mm. It's not how smart you are, it's how are you smart because we all have genius. But well, we all have our own superpower. We do. It's just un 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 uncovering it and learning how to express it. One of the superpowers that I've seen you do incredibly well is actually build a business off the back of your memory. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I mean that in a, a way of absolute admiration because the realms in which you've been able to take your technology kind of far go beyond the everyday of, oh, I just want to learn how to, you know, read right. faster. I just want to learn how to remember everyone's names. You're, you now play at the level, it's like, dude, I've got to remember, the, I'm in this fucking $100, $100 million blockbuster. <laughs> uh -huh. I've got to remember these lines. Right. Can you help me out? I'm curious how you went from the transition of, okay, I'm, I now, the lights go on. I now know how to learn. You know what? I actually love this so much. I'm actually going to, this is going to be a business. Okay. And not just a business. Now I, you know, I can say the, yeah. the likes of Will Smith and, you know, are now my clients. The X-Men, you end up going work right. with all the X-Men, I believe. Is that correct? Correct. I would, um, okay, so when I was 18, I learned my, these superpowers yeah. and I discovered and developed them and I realized other people could, I was tutoring 
you know, helping my friends, um, I, I had lost all this weight and I, I, I couldn't afford so to eat. So you were eat. tutoring your friends now? Well, just as, 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 <laughs> as because I couldn't help, but yeah. when you, when you, when you're struggling this whole time and then you get the keys, you don't want other people to, to suffer. Yeah. So I started just for free helping my friends out and they would at night order all this food because the food on campus was really bad. And here's me who has lost all this weight. I couldn't afford to eat, you know, because I didn't have any money. Um, and friend was like, Hey, why don't you tutor other people? Like you're tutoring us, just charge them for it. And I was like, that's great. That's a great value add. And uh, so I found a classroom that wasn't being used one Thursday night. And I said, okay, next week, I'm going to put five or 10 people in that room. And maybe after I teach them some things for free, maybe one or two of them want to be like, learn and be tutored by me. So I go back and I take a piece of paper um, and I scribble down. It's my first marketing ever. <laughs> it was free, free speed reading, memory tips, get better it. grades and less time. And Thursday night, seven o'clock in the classroom, right? Beautiful. How old are you at this and, point? Uh, like 19? 18. 18 like so? late yeah. 18 going on 19. And I, uh, I make a bunch of photocopies the next morning on the way to class. I put some up on the bulletin boards. Not a lot, but just, just around campus. Fast forward to Thursday. I'm walking to the classroom and I'm just hoping, Kerwin, just like five people show up, just five. <laughs> and there's a line at the door. And I turn, I turn the corner and there is that line out of the door. There's a crowd of people. And, but here's the thing, you only see what you believe is, is there. Yeah. So I thought, wow, I hope whatever's going on ends soon so I could <laughs> do my thing, right? And I, love, I, oh, I love you, and because you can't see you. what you, you know, like it's always like this phrase. It's people always say, "Well, I'll believe it when I see it," mm. but maybe it's you know that 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 Wayne Dyer idea where you'll see it when you actually believe it. So I didn't see it because I didn't believe it. And I there was this guy, tall guy, I remember in the doorway. I couldn't get in. I was like tapping on the shoulder. What's going on inside? He's like, he looked at me. He was like, there's a speed reading class. And honest to God, I go, wow, what a coincidence. What are, the, what are, the, what are the odds? What are the odds? The same night, the same room. There's another speed reading class. And I pushed my way in and the room's crowded, standing room only. And, um, and lo and behold, nobody's teaching. <laughs> and it takes my slow brain all that time to realize why they're all there. And I do a head count. And instead of five or 10 people, there's 110 people. Wow. And keep in mind, I'm 18 years old. Yeah. I look really young. I, I wear, I'm lost all this weight. I, I've, I've like t-shirt and shorts on. I, I'd have nothing prepared to talk about. There's teaching assistants, graduate students, a lot of people who are older and more experienced than me. And I'm, remember, I, I'm the guy that walked out of that book report <laughs> and threw out the book. Like I'm phobic of public speaking. Like a lot of yeah. people are a little, you know, nervous, Afraid. nervous, you but like phobic. phobic is like, you can't breathe. Yeah. Like yeah. when somebody's phobic of those snakes or, you know, like they ha they can't, they can't, like, can't function. They can't at yeah. all. And My so I can't even breathe and I go in fight or flight and I flight, I, I leave. Oh, wow. Cause I can't, I would love to say like, oh, it was amazing. And you know, standing ovation <laughs> and better. no. So I, I leave because I, um, I don't believe in myself and I just can't, I've never done it before. And I can't even go back to my dorm room because you know, my friends are just gonna make fun of me in my mind. And, and so I go to these fountains and water brings me back center. I don't know what it is about that element, but it always kind of relaxes me. And I, I'm like doing this meditation and I don't even realize I'm doing this walking meditation back uh, to my room, um, my dorm room. And 
I hear this voice inside my head, and it's my mother's voice. And I won't tell you exactly what she said, but essentially, it was a hundred people came out because you promised to help them. You're disappointing them. You're disappointing me. And、uh, you know, and I want to. I don't want to disappoint my family. So I, so I actually take one step back to the classroom, and it's so interesting that one step in another direction completely changes your destination. Or your your destiny,、mm. and I think everyone can relate to this. One step, like who you're going to be with, or where you're going to live, or what are you going to do as a, you know, for a career, it changes everything. And so I go back to the classroom and I speak for two hours. I teach, and I honestly don't know anything I spoke about. It just I don't know what how you are on stage. Sometimes it just flows.、Channels. Yeah, it yeah. just channels right through. And、uh, Wayne Dyer was the same.、Um, You know, I got to spend a lot of time with him speaking at events, and he would never prepare. He would just go out there and trust that,、um, and and be a vessel for it, and that he did the work right. And,、um, and so I don't remember what I said, but afterwards I come out of this trance, and I'm like, okay, well, if anyone's interested in what I just said, I'll I need about ten hours to teach you what I what I've learned, maybe、uh, two hours a week for the next five weeks. If you're interested, I get thirty dollars an hour because that's what I got. Teaching tennis back in this, you know, back when I was a teenager,、um, I'll be in the student center tomorrow at noon. If you're interested, have any questions? And honestly, it's so crazy. Everyone just got up and they left. Nobody came to talk to me or anything, and I'm completely confused. And when I'm there by myself, I, you know, kind of like in that classroom when everyone left and I did the I didn't do the book report, I threw it out. I was so confused and I was so exhausted at the same time. I end up falling asleep right on the carpet. In that classroom, because、wow. I'm mentally, emotionally,、yeah. you know, I'm spent. Mentally, you ever, you know, had like this thing that you've always struggled with, and you do it, and you just feel so depleted and energized at the same time. I had the best night of my sleep in my life, and I, I get woken up by the the classroom coming into the morning <laughs> session. <laughs> you slept all night, all night, and、wow. you know, I, I look up drooling on myself, and I see every, all these people <laughs> staring at me, and I, I run to my dorm room, take a shower, go to breakfast, go to class. Twelve o'clock comes, I was like, oh, I, I, I told people I'd be in the student center, and I run to the student center a few minutes late, and I hope one person just thought enough of me、oh, wow. to that. They'd be interested in going further, and when I get there, that same crowd of people were there. And at the end of two hours, seventy-one out of a hundred kids signed up for a program that didn't even exist. Wow! Because I didn't at three hundred dollars U.S. dollars a person. Because I didn't even do the math that thirty dollars an hour times ten hours was three hundred dollars, and I didn't realize that pe- that kids had、um, students had this card, ATM card, that they could go to the bank and just. You know this machine take out three hundred dollars because I didn't I didn't have one yeah, right. right and so now I'm not even nineteen years old and I have like twenty one thousand dollars cash in my pocket my book bag right and I've never seen like anything <laughs> like that anything close to that in my life、um, and I、um, and I go back to my mentor with his words. Thinking, saying, "Don't, don't let school get in the way of your education."、Yeah. And I used that money to fund, to feed my body because I was so underweight, and I could get pizza and chicken and broccoli and everything. But I used all of it really to to feed my mind.、Mm. And I buy every <laughs> this is I'm gonna date myself every audio cassette, <laughs>、uh, every book. I travel around the country and the world, learning how to learn,、mm. and I make that my profession. But the reason I'm doing it today. Is because one of those seventy-one students 
was she was a freshman. She read 30 books in 30 days, which is imagine. I mean, not, and when I teach reading, it's not skimming or skipping words or getting the gist. I mean, I teach very, I teach notables, you know, leaders of countries. I I teach CEOs, um, doctors, you know, world-class uh, How long does like it take attorneys. you? Like when you when you get like parachuted in to work with uh, a noble, a world leader, or yeah. a Will Smith, like do you have like a, okay, guys, I can work with you two hours, I can work with you eight hours, or if you yeah. really want me to fucking revamp your brain, we're going to need two weeks or six weeks. It does, yeah, all the above, because everybody right. everybody has different needs, you know, like even the people that that you coach, you know, they have different you know needs for their or, or desires, dreams for their brand, for their business, for their bank account, for yeah. themselves. Um, so I customize it around around their time, their resources, my time, resources. You know, being in one place is still difficult. But I get those calls like right in the moments where, you know, whether it's people are, are you know, people come to me, they're either struggling and suffering uh, or they're on the other side of the spectrum. They're extremely successful, but they just want that edge. Yeah. And they want to, to mean that, exactly, yeah. that, that, that mental advantage. Because this is where you're actually becoming more more popular now, and I'm seeing it less around memory and more around performance. Would, would that be fair, a fair assumption? It is. I mean, my, my wheelhouse is in accelerated learning. So yeah. anything people yeah. want to learn faster Which is, performance. is exactly. Because yeah. I think that learning is, in a way, the grandmother or grandfather of personal growth. And performance because if if there was a genie here and let's say this genie would grant you one wish everyone would wish for millions of wishes right endless wishes but if i was a learning genie and i could grant you one wish to learn anything better and faster what would you wish for what would they be what would the equivalent be of endless millions of wishes the equivalent would be wishing you know learning how to learn, because if you can learn how to learn quickly, you could apply that towards your goals, anything, mm. Mandarin, martial arts, marketing, mm. music, anything that you're you're excited about. And you it really makes everything. Matrix. Exactly. It's like now, you're now downloading information, downloading skills, downloading knowledge. Exactly, and yeah. everybody has that potential, regardless of your age, your background, your career, your education level, your financial situation, your gender, your history, your IQ. That doesn't matter. What matters is having the, the the motivation because that's some, not something you could give to somebody, right? Because you could teach somebody all the techniques, but if they're not motivated or driven, they're not, you know, have some kind of purpose, they're not going to do it. Cause yeah. knowledge is not power. It's the, it's the greatest lie, you know, that we all tell ourselves is that knowledge is power, but it's knowledge times action equals power because all the podcasts, online programs, coaching conferences, none of it works unless, unless we work. Mm. Right. Um, and so all the books that's sitting on your shelf, it's it's more shelf help than self help yeah. unless we're actually learning it and applying it all the time. But the other thing we can't give somebody besides motivation is an open mind, mm. uh, because if somebody can be motivated but they're not open to learning new things, because a lot of what I need to do is, as as I'm sure you do as well, is helping people unlearn mm. bad habits that they picked up or bad practices in their in their businesses or in their productivity things that we have to unlearn if you're not open to it it's not going to happen but this young lady read 30 books in 30 days is i found out that her motivation going back to her drive was her mother that Mm. her mother was dying of terminal cancer was only given two months 60 days to Mm. live and uh, that's what doctors said and the books she was reading were books on health and wellness 
she wanted to save her mother's life. Right. And I, I wished her luck, prayers, everything. Wow. Six what months, six months later, I get a call from this young lady, and she's crying, and she's crying, crying. And when she stops, I find out there are tears of joy that her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how, they don't know why. The doctors all called it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter, wow. who learned it for all these books. In that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. Mm. And it's a superpower we all have access to. And so, you know, I went, that is what put me on that path of you know, for this mission of leaving no brain, no brain left behind is my mission. <laughs> yeah. And eventually I started doing it at all these universities yeah. in the States, um, everywhere from Caltech to Harvard. And these kids start doing so well that their parents took note and asked them how and why. And they found out about my teachings and these adults, you know, the, their parents worked in law firms and insurance companies mm. and corporate America. And so I started to work there but every opportunity to scale, I, I didn't do it because of still I'm introverted and I didn't want to say wanted to be that, you know, that person. Out there. Yeah, because I, I value my just you know harmony and, and and some sort of semblance of balance. And uh, but um, so how I did it was through corporate America. But every book deal, media, uh, franchising, learning centers, train trainers, I didn't do because I just didn't. I wanted to keep it close. Um, but then I had an incident years ago where I almost died in another accident and it made you, me think about legacy. legacy. Mm. Yeah. The things you talk about, like what, you know, I felt like shame on me if there's something I could do that could help somebody and who's struggling or suffering the way I did and I didn't do it. And I feel I do it for, you know, really out of a moral obligation because it's not comfortable. Even here in Australia, you know, I'm going to be on stage 14,000 people. And it's not comfortable for me ever. Honestly, 14 people is not super comfortable for me. Yep. But I put my attention towards them, and um, and that's how I get over those kind of. Do you still remember getting the first phone call from a um, uh, from like a from a studio where there was a superhero attached to it, and you're like, it was holy shit. Yeah, I'm now. I remember exactly. Yeah. Um, in uh, 2003. 13, um, I get a call from the chairman of 20th Century Fox, which is a huge film studio in the States. And, uh, and when I'm walking and doing their training on a Friday, I remember I was in such a good mood because the movie posters really going into their uh, boardroom, it was like Avatar and Star Wars <laughs> and Alien, you know, it was all these amazing, all yeah. yeah. And it put me in this childlike state. And I think that part of our greatness comes when we're a little bit more playful and we've tried to bring joy to things. And I, I don't think it's, we stopped playing because we grew older. I think we grew older because we stopped so playing. Funny. And children are such, um, they learn so fast. And part of it is they, they're willing to make mistakes and play. So it put me in this state and I gave my best training. And afterwards the chairman was like, this was the best um, coaching training we've ever done. Thank you so much. And he gives me a tour of the Fox lot the 20th, uh, the film lot. And I've never been on the uh, film lot before. And I saw this movie poster of uh, <laughs> it's Hugh Jackman. Uh, oh, Wolverine. Yeah, and it was the movie coming out. It was coming out for a few months, but I was like, wow, I can't wait for that. I just happened to say, I can't wait for that movie to come out. And he picks up the phone and five minutes later, I'm sitting in his theater with 3D glasses watching oh. Hugh, Hugh Jackman fight all these super no. ninjas. And it was amazing. No. And it was the best Friday afternoon ever. Oh. And afterwards, he was like, how was the movie? 
And I was like, this is incredible. This is even better than the other one. And, and thank you so much. And I tell him my whole story about not being able to read and my broken brain and my favorite comic books I tell them were the X-Men because they didn't fit in. Like I didn't fit in like Wolverine and everybody. And I told them that, um, you don't know this, but I grew up in Westchester, New York, um, where, uh, the X-Men school in the comic books resided. And I used to ride my bicycle. I just posted this picture on Instagram today. Um, I used to ride my bicycle um, all over my neighborhood trying to find that school because I wanted to find my superpowers and, and my super friends. And he's like, Jim, I didn't know you like superheroes. Do you want to go on, on set of the uh, filming the new X-Men movie? We have 30 days left in yeah. Montreal. And we're in LA, obviously. And um, and I'm like, yeah, I've never been on a set. Thank you. What can I do for you? He's like, do the same thing you did for us, for them. You know, teach them to speed read their scripts. Teach them to memorize their lines faster. Teach them to be focused, you know, and on camera. And I said, I could totally do that. So the next morning, we get on what they call the X jet. And uh, I'm, I'm, I get, I, when I get on, the entire cast of X-Men's on the jet. Oh. And I don't even see Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. I see like Wolverine, I see Professor X, and I'm sitting between Jennifer Lawrence and Holly Berry oh, going to, uh, you know, going to uh, Montreal. And the first scene that they shot, I get choked up thinking about it, was, uh, took place in the school. You know, the school I've always been looking for, right? And um, it's something that about, you know, that week seeing my superheroes come to life in front of me was really magical and um, great experience overall. And when I came home, though, there was a package waiting for me the size of a, a television. And I rip it open, and it's a frame photograph. People could see it on the, you know, it's my Facebook <laughs> cover photo forever. It's my Twitter cover photo forever <laughs> of me and the entire cast of oh, X-Men. Yeah. And um, even better than that is the note from the chairman. Get this, you know, for leadership and experience. It said, Jim, thank you so much for sharing your superpowers with all of us. I know you've been searching for your superhero school ever since you were a child. Here's your class photograph. And uh, oh, I get goosebumps man. thinking about it. Um, I, I, I call them truth bumps, but it's, it was such a real raw um you know, rewarding experience for me. And, um, and that's how I got into, I realized because it was just prior to that, I had my life death experience and it made me, and I saw that franchise do close to a billion dollars. Mm. And, you know, in the publishing industry, in this expert industry, it, to get on the New York times or something, you need like 15,000 or maybe 20,000 copies sold. But there's a big difference between that and a billion dollars, you know, in entertainment, you know, education, mm -hmm. empowerment tend to be here, but entertainment is like so many, you know, um, floors up. And, um, and, and that's it, where your value in that industry is just so profound. And that, then that's what made me interested because, you know, you and I have this shared goal of, 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 of impact. And I thought like, wow, if I really am going to do this, you know, I need to understand pop culture because mm. growing up, I'm, I was like the least cool person I knew. So, but <laughs> I still am the least cool person. <laughs> dude, I, I, I would, I would challenge you for that title. But, but this, it's interesting because I didn't know any, I don't know anything about, you know, I didn't, you know, music, everything that scales, music and 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 film and television and video games and reality. So I, um, you know, I, I shortly after that moved to California to really understand that and started mm. working with all the talent. And, and my goal really is that maybe somebody wouldn't go to the bookstore to buy, you know, 
one of yours or my future books, but um, but they but they listen to these uh, musicians and these actors, and maybe when they uh, they say that learning is cool or you know learning you know high performance, and they make it explicit because that's usually their shared you know strategy. I believe that genius leaves clues. That if mm. somebody is really successful at something, that they are doing certain things other people aren't, and one of the things they are doing is they're constant learners and they they hire people to help them be at their best just like singers they have a voice coach you know businesses they mm. have a business coach or a financial coach they you know athletes have personal trainers and so i work with individuals to be their brain coach to help them focus to help them learn to help them uh you know be in flow so they can get the things done to be able to catch up keep up get ahead such a privilege to see how far you have gone and how yeah just how much you have penetrated at all levels of society from political to corporate to popular culture all the way down to education being exposed to presidents politicians and ceos of some of the biggest companies in the world you clearly have a very different worldview than most people you've clearly seen and heard and had the privilege of experiencing a range of stuff but i'd be curious to know what's the the one or two greatest pieces of advice that you've ever got from working some with some of these incredible minds to the point. Yeah. So oof, I'm, I'm going to yeah. take that one with me. I, I feel you. I, I feel like we can learn something from, from everybody. everybody. And there are obviously common themes that genius does in fact leave clues and genius can be learned and trained with deliberate practice and, and deep work. Um, that being said, commonalities I've seen across the board, whether it's an Oprah or an Elon Musk is constant learning. Right. And none of these individuals necessarily the people I respect are these are these outliers that they they didn't necessarily have all the resources and they weren't given these things that they they worked for it. Right. And so commonalities is they had a growth mindset across the board. It's not fixed like our shoe size that we know that our potential is is dependent on on the work that we're doing, Um, because what you I think it was Jim Rohn said this what you practice in private, you're rewarded for in public. And so they're doing the work. Um, for example, when I was, uh, when I was with Will Smith, we were on, uh, we were doing night shoots from 6 PM to 6 AM as a superhero movie. And I was like, how do you, you just, everyone thinks it's so glamorous, but all you're doing is like waiting around. This is so boring. <laughs> I was like, how, like, how do you get ready at three o'clock? And they, you know, director says, let's go, let's shoot at three o'clock. And he was like, Jim, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. I'm like, wow. Okay. So mm. like, I believe that the life you live are the lessons you teach. And for me, I don't have, I don't, I don't prepare. Number one, I, I trust that it's going to flow through me. Um, like, you know, you mentioned, mm. um, where you're a vessel for it and, um, it, and it just, it's there. It's you, you believe it. But also when you do the work, I'm just sharing what I do because I, I double down because I take all these disadvantages. I, I I just teach what I do, and I all I'm doing is documenting it on social media and my my processes. But the other part of it that was interesting when I was when I was with him was um I, I talk about a lot about this thing these things about dominant questions that I believe thinking when we're thinking all the time we're asking all these questions and we're answering these questions inside our mind and there's only so many thoughts that we have. We have about 60, 70,000 thoughts a day, but the challenge is 95% of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday and the day before that. And that's why we're getting the same kind of results because thoughts are things. But we tend to have certain thoughts or questions we ask more than others and they are dominant. And so for example, I have a friend 
we went through an exercise. I found out her dominant question that she asked herself hundreds of times a day is, how do I get people to like me? And it's interesting, right? You don't know anything about this woman. You don't know her age, her ethnicity. You don't know what she does for a living. You don't know her physical. You don't know anything about her, but you know a lot about her. Mm. Like if somebody obsessed about how do I get people to like me and they ask that question of themselves, what what do you think What do you think her, their, her personality would be like? I'd say a little bit needy, a little bit clingy, you know, mm. subservient, mm -hmm. trying too hard. You know, says sorry a lot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's her mantra. <laughs> yeah, and she's she's a martyr. She her personality molds depending on who she's spending time with. Yeah, she's a Chameleon. she's a, a sycophant. You know, she's always trying to please everybody else, and, and you know so much about her, and all you know is like one question she mm. asks herself. And I always that's tell people so that questions are the answer. Mm. That we all have a dominant question. Like for me, growing up as a kid with the broken brain, I would always look at people and saying, you know, why are they so much better than I than I am mm. at this? Like, how do I make this better? And I got obsessed about these these ideas because I was always coming from a place where I didn't have access to those things. And um, so I asked, I go through this, and I spent the entire day with Will that, on, on that on that set. And you know his dominant question was, and one of his dominant questions is, how do I make this moment even more magical? And and I was like, wow, because questions are the answer. You start, like people don't know this, but our brains are primarily a deletion device. Mm. At any given time, there's a billion stimulus we could be paying attention to, constantly filtering. And so we're always keeping, we're trying to delete, and and things get generalized and distorted. Um, you know, along the way, and so only certain things get in, and usually what gets in is the things we have questions about. They act like magnets pulling it in. Mm -hmm. Even when we read, most people, if you've ever read a page in a book, got to the end and forgot what you just read, usually it's because, and you go back and reread re it, and you still don't know what you just <laughs> read, it's because usually you're not asking enough questions. Because if you did, you would say, oh, there's an answer, there's an answer, there's an answer. And so his question was, how do I make this moment even more magical? And I noticed he lived it simple example like that night at three o'clock in the morning it was in toronto and it was very very cold it was over in the winter and um and his family from west philly you know as, as his theme song goes uh fresh prince song goes is um is visiting him and we're all outside and it's nighttime and it's cold and we're covered in blankets but he's bringing them all hot chocolate he's bring he's helping them like he's cracking jokes at three o'clock in the morning and i know everyone knows he's tired but he's bringing more magic to that moment because that's his focus that's, that's his question. question question and so um i think that questions are the answer we need to be able to dial into those questions more and, uh, and so when I'm working with high achievers, to answer your question, I would say they're lifelong learners who subscribe to a growth mindset. They also subscribe to a lot of grit. So I would say that's the mm. second G for a mindset besides growth, meaning that, you they know. They can suffer. Exactly. Will Smith will say that, he says this publicly, that he, if he's on a treadmill next to you at the gym, then, and you know, he's in that mode, he's either one of two things gonna happen. Either he's gonna, you know, he's gonna win. I'm gonna die. <laughs> or he's gonna die, exactly, yeah. trying to do that. I remember years ago, I got, um, uh, I got a message. Uh, there, was a, there was a big boxing uh, match going on. It was a big one. Um, it was Mayweather versus um, Pacquiao. And Sylvester Stallone messaged me, said, do you wanna watch the, 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 the boxing match at my, at my place? And I'm like, yeah, I wanna watch it with Rocky. That's yeah. the most amazing thing he ever. He doesn't, right? And so I get to his, his home and we're in the theater and I'm sitting on the couch and we're watching, it's me, 
to my left is uh, Sly Stallone, and to his left is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love it. If somebody took a picture of that couch, they'd be like, who photoshopped that Asian dude <laughs> in, in that photo? Um, but afterward, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the boxing match happens, and afterwards, I remember, I think genius leaves clues, and I want to know everything from what people's perspective is, because I think those... Um, that's gold. And I asked Arnold, I was like, what's, you know, two champion, what, what does it take to be a champion? You know, what's the difference? Same question you just asked me. And I just, he said, Jim, the difference between a champion and an amateur is the champion is willing to push past the pain period. You know what I mean? Grit, mm. getting through, you know, be able to persist. And even when you're building a muscle, the rep you know, as, you, the pain does. as you yeah. know, exactly. And most, most of the time that those are the painful ones that people don't want to do, but that's what mm. gives us all the growth. Because while the beauty is in the butterfly, the growth happens in the cocoon. Mm. Like it's, it develops its wings, its strength from the wings by trying to break out of the cocoon. So it has the strength um, and the vitality to be able to, to soar. Exactly, yeah. to soar to new, new heights. So I would say that's a big commonality is, is growth mindset. They have a, an incredible amount of grit. And I would say two more G's. Um, commonality is for people successful there, uh, for the most part, they tend to be a very um, gratitude mm. is, uh, is a third G, meaning that- Very grateful. Yeah, I, th I think everything has to build on gratitude because- It really is a fundamental, like a universal principle when you think about what appreciation is mm -hmm. as a substance, as a, as a form. It's, it's, the, it's the manifest, it's the, it's the accumulation of more, it's the creation of more. And yeah. it's, it's such an important quality when it comes to whether it be a relationship or wealth creation. The more we appreciate what we have, the more it fosters and creates more. And it, by virtue, the more we depreciate, mm. the, the natural laws of atrophy apply. It's um, my, my, my good friend, she, she, her name is Lynn Twist. She took me to the Amazon rainforest back in 2010. And we, we actually came across an indigenous tribe uh, where their first Western contact. Holy shit. And uh, there was, it was a huge exercise in gratitude for me, but she has, she wrote a book called the soul of money. And she says, what you appreciate appreciates mm. what you appreciate in life appreciates meaning mm. grows. It, it and does. Um, yeah, a great thought experiment. I recommend everyone did because we did like a, a, you know, it's like a Thanksgiving episode for our, on our podcast. Wow. And it was all about how gratitude rewires your nervous system for mm. positivity, peace of mind, and and and, uh, and prosperity. And uh, the great thought experiment is: what if um, what if the only things in your life tomorrow were the things you expressed gratitude for today? Yeah. What would you say? Like, thank you for exactly, yeah. and all the things. I mean, just simple things like your ability to even listen to this conversation right now and if you want to feel truly wealthy count all the things in your life you have that money can't buy mm. and come from that place so gratitude it seems like a commonality and i would say the fourth element i've noticed with high achievers besides a growth mindset and, and grit um, and, and gratitude is giving mm. and i really do subscribe to the formula you learn to earn to return Mm. You know, the more you learn, the more you could earn, and the more you earn, the more you could return and give back. And I feel like that we shouldn't give to get, we give because it's it's who we are, that everything in nature has to grow or it dies, uh, and everything in nature has to give back, otherwise it's eliminated, right? Mm. Everything has to be able to serve a purpose. And, mm. you know, that's, that's why, you know, I, I really welcome the opportunity to collaborate with you you know, at, at your events and us having this conversation because I feel like that we're all here. It's, I always look for competence, like three C's. I look for competence in relation, because I like to be around people who are world-class and they're experts at what they do because I like to learn. The second C is character. 
you know, because I, I feel like oh yeah, it, who you spend time with is who you become, and somebody could be really competent, but they might not have character or integrity, and that doesn't really serve. Also, because you know, even when you think about your working relationships, you want somebody who could get the job done, but you also want somebody who's honest. And <coughs> some people could have character but not have the competence. But then the third C I would say is consciousness, meaning mm. that they. They just, they know it's not just about themselves. They could go out there and make a dollar, but it's also good to make a difference also as well. And so those are, those are things I look for. It seems to me you've got a very, um, a very good relationship with consciousness, very self-aware. I'm curious if there's any of that is rooted in any form of spirituality or religion, perhaps from, from where you've, when, when you've grown up. Yeah. Um, my, my parents aren't super spiritual. We, we, we grew up going to, going up to church. Um, for, for me, my 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 religion i mean i i i say my i say my prayers and my my intentions my religion really is kindness and it's so mm. interesting and i know people say that that there's a difference between i just want to i'm i'm a kind of i have a pet peeve sometimes around certain words yep. where people use them interchangeably some people say that person's really nice or that person's really kind and um and i want just want to sensitize everybody to the there's a difference like when somebody says they're when they use the word nice, nice, the person who's, uh, you know, who's at the, at the, at the grocery store or that you meet there, they could be nice to you, but that doesn't mean that they care about you. And for me, for me, nice is about people that, um, cause if kindness really is something that is a spiritual experience, nice says somebody who's, you know, they could placate to you in the moment, but it doesn't mean that they, they have compassion or caring about you, but someone mm -hmm. who's kind is, will go out of their they're going out of their way to be able to support you, right? And I feel like we know people's intention based on where they put their energy and their focus and their resources and their their time into and kindness. Like I want to, sometimes I call people on their stuff pretty often because I want to challenge them, you know, on their BS, you know, their their belief systems that they have because I think a coach needs to do that. The, mm. the coach, a co good coach holds a certain standard for somebody and sees their genius maybe sometimes before that they do. And instead of being nice to them, telling what they want to hear, you tell people the truth. Like the truth is all of us could be living a greater life than we are truly right now expressing. Mm. And that's just a true, a truism that we don't even know what the current, you know, limitations are, but you know, whatever we're doing is we're not necessarily demonstrating the highest version of ourself. And my, my goal is to show people really what they're capable of. Mm. And hopefully that there's a ripple effect because just like kindness, it's like a butterfly effect. A butterfly effect is saying that a butterfly flapping its wings here in Sydney create a tsunami of change across the globe because, you know, we live in a world of full of systems and it's very dynamic. And I'm saying that when we're kind to somebody as part of our daily practice, it's, you don't know where that ripple effect mm. stops, you know, at all. But, One of my favorite movies was Pay It Forward. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, something you, I do hear you talk about um, a lot is digital dementia, um, uh, but I'm curious it's from your perspective if there's a, a, a big issue that we've got at play here, um, and digital dementia is just a symptom of a perhaps bigger cultural issue. What's your take on the the whole addiction device dementia mm. um, shift that we're seeing in our culture? Yeah. You know, I, I just did a master class with your with your team and we recorded it and maybe we could give a, a link for everyone to be able to, to watch it. But we go into how to overcome four of the biggest challenges that our technology is is placing on us now. And it's holding us back in, in ways that you can't even calculate. And the four super villains, if you were, are 
uh, this digital overload, too much information, too little time yep. because we're drowning information, but we're really starving for practical wisdom. And that's why I love uh, content like this that, 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 that we're, we're creating. Um, second one, so that's why I teach people to learn faster and to read faster. And um, so that that's very important nowadays to, to have that skill set. The second one besides digital overload is digital distraction. And this is where we live in a world full of app notifications, social media alerts, and every single like, share, comment, cat video gives you this <laughs> dopamine flood that makes... Uh, in a very addictive, first of all. So we, we, we open up Instagram 100 or 150 times a day, depending on, you know, what, what, what you buy into. And, uh, and, we, and we're losing our, our sense of focus. And we can't even maintain a conversation sometimes with somebody because our mind is going everywhere mm. because it's trained to our distraction muscles. So that's why we do, um, you know, very specific training around focus and concentration. But the two other supervillains, another one is digital depression, um, and this is on the rise where social media Comparison is the thief of joy. I love that. Theodore Roosevelt. I love that so much. Mm. And, and that's the thing, like people are always comparing their life to this highly curated filtered Instagram highlight trailer that other people are posting. And it's, it's, it's not always greener on the other side. You know, it's, it's greener where you water it certainly, but it's sometimes online social media, it's greener because it's artificial turf because <laughs> it's just, I spent so it's, much it's, time with these, with people. grass with spray printed grain. Right. And because it's, <laughs> it's this world where it's you have to be careful what you what what's what's real and so you subscribe to exactly yeah. and so talking about greener on the other side talking about you know green if you're green with envy it does steal your joy and comparison is a big challenge and we shouldn't be and we know this but we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to anybody else but who we were yesterday you know or we're comparing ourselves to the best version of ourselves but it's not really productive because we're all in different paths and we're all in different timelines so digital um, depression but the last one, as you mentioned, is digital dementia. And I know I went through a lot of tactics in this masterclass that I did with your team about 10 ways of unlocking this, this we'll post incredible the, link brain. Below. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, and the, the thing is digital dementia is where we're, we're highly reliant on technology and it's doing more work for us than ever before. And while it's convenient, it also is in a way crippling, meaning that in your phone, you know, it has your to-dos, it has your schedules, it does simple math. I was out to dinner the other night and with 10 people and three people when the bill came took out their phones to divide the bill by 10, you know, and that should be very simple math, but digital dementia is saying, hey, yeah, right. your brain is like a muscle, it's use it, as my shirt says, it's use it or yeah. lose it. And most of us aren't using it as much because we're dependent on technology to do the work for us. Autocorrect, right? Or GPS. They're, they're not getting early detection of, of mm. dementia because if you're relying Don't on GPS. Don't even know how to drive the shops anymore because like, the GPS takes me Exactly. It tells yeah. you where and when to turn. You're not realizing when you would have a memory lapse. So they're not getting detection, early detection on dementia because you're not going to doctors get checked out because you're not realizing you would have an issue because technology is is a crutch for you. And it's the equivalence of, I don't know, elevators and Ubers where we're not, we're not, you know, it's better we know to take the stairs, you know, but because we're relying on technology, we're not getting the physical exercise yeah. and we're a little bit out of shape. We're a little bit out of shape mentally. And if you're 
relying on technology too much. That's digital dementia is the loss we're getting in cognitive performance because we're dependent on our smart devices and our smart devices are making us stupid. And I'm not saying that technology is not great. It allows us to connect. Mm -hmm. It allows us to share, allows us to inspire and educate. But if, if technology is a tool for us to use, but if the tool you know, if the technology is using us, then who becomes the tool in the in the equation, right? Mm -hmm. We become the tool. It's just like fire. Fire could cook your food or it could burn your house. It's neutral. It's how we apply it. So I think that we are over dependent on technology and it's forcing, it's doing those things. It's making us overloaded. It's making us distracted. Like if people, and I talked about this at your event, if people pick up their phone the first hour of the day, they're doing themselves a disservice. I know it's hard. Mm -hmm but it's, it's an addiction and you need to be, an addiction is like when you're doing something you can't stop. Yep. And especially if it has negative consequences. And the research shows that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're fresh, you're clear, you're also very suggestible because you're in that relaxed state. If you pick up your phone, it's rewiring your brain for two things. It's rewiring your brain to be distracted because every single time again you scroll, you can scroll on forever. It's, it's, make, it's building your distraction muscles as opposed to your focus muscles. But the second thing it's doing, it's rewiring your brain to be reactive, which is almost as dangerous because you can't have, you can't be a successful entrepreneur or parent or, um, you know, achiever if you're just reacting to things. And if you're training your brain, like you check your phone first thing in the morning and you get a voicemail or text message and, you know, uh, an email with bad news or what, it could derail your whole day. And then you're on the defense and you're training your brain, your brain right up front to be a defense fighting fires. Mm. You know, um, my friend Brendan Burchard has this quote that says, your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Mm. I mean, just let that sink in. Mm. It's just like we're reacting as opposed to waking up fresh and having a vision for your, your day and say, hey, if I get these, this is what I do. I write down three things, new things that I need, I want to achieve personally and three things I want to do professionally that day. So instead of like the, a to-do list full of hundreds of things, you know, I have that too, but I, I say, hey, if I want to win, begin with the end in mind, right? Like seven habits, highly effective people. And I, and I come back and somebody asks like, how was my day? And I said, I crushed it. What, what are the three things I had to achieve? you know, personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And I, I focus on that and I don't actually check my phone unless I get one of those six things done. Yeah, right. And then, and then I can go into that mode, but I, I can't get derailed and be on the defense. And so limit the digital distraction. So I guess with a, a little bit of a segue there into meditation, meditation as, as, as is di digital and technology seems to be becoming quite popular and a lot more mainstream than what it was even five, 10 years ago. Mm. How are you seeing meditation as a, as a supplement, um, you know, for performance when it comes to memory? Yeah. I'm, I'm really big, uh, a big advocate for meditation. Um, we've done multiple podcast episodes on this subject. Everybody has their different version um, of meditation and what it looks to them. For me, I meditate a minimum of twice a day, 20 minutes each. So you do like a transcendental style of meditation, it, Vedic? It's, it's, so I have my own yep. process because, you know, over years, you know, of doing this, I, I think everyone has to find what works for them. When I get on, uh, sometimes when I fly, I will do it, you know, in addition to the, you know, morning and evening meditations that I do, I'll do it in the beginning of takeoff and, you know, and then also on landing descent because, uh, it was interesting. I was having this conversation with Emily Fletcher, who wrote a book called uh, Stress Less, Accomplish More. And she has a three-phase um, 
we talked about on my show is three M's, mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. And she says she's clearing up confusion that a lot of the apps out there, the Calm and the Headspace, they're not meditation apps as much as they are mindfulness. Mm. And mindfulness mm. is a process of getting out of stress in the moment, getting out of current moment stress. But she defines meditation when you know you go through this process is actually clearing past historical mm. stress and trauma out um, and giving your your body, your nervous system energy to be able to heal those kind of um, things that happened in the past. And then once you're clear, then you go through a process of manifesting your day, you know, taking a couple minutes and visualizing and feeling and thinking and feeling what you, what you want in, in, in that day. But I find that um, it's very important in a world of fight or flight, of where we're always in this sympathetic kind of mode, um, that we need to get into that parasympathetic rest and digest, recover uh, space. And if you don't schedule it in your calendar, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Most people do it you know, as a default. But I would say that three questions that I ask myself, we're talking about dominant questions to take knowledge and turn it into actual power that I ask relentlessly. Number one is how can I use this? So I would, you know, listen to this episode again and, and ask yourself, how, how can I use this? And write down all your answers. Number two is why must I use this? Because a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do what they know because common sense is not common practice. And so I would go to the why, why must I use this? And what are all the benefits and rewards? Because reasons reap results. And then the third question I would ask consistently and relentlessly is when will I use this? Because if it's not the number one productivity performance tool we have is our is our, our phones, you know, it's our calendars. And so what are you gonna do? Be like if you don't schedule your meditations and, and write it down and treat that like an appointment with your investor or your client or some or, or a doctor, we people tend not to schedule their personal growth and performance practice time. So I would say do that also. But the highest achievers, they they meditate. Even, you know, the people I mentioned, uh, Oprah, um, even Hugh Jackman, they're, they're avid, avid meditators because you have to disconnect to reconnect, mm. you know, and schedule that white space for yourself where you can be creative. Even walking meditation, Steve Jobs is very known for not doing sit-down meetings in boardrooms. Um, in conference rooms would go for walking meetings because being out in nature helps you be, it's been proven when you're walking and, and out in nature, you're more creative. It supports divergent thinking, problem solving. Jim, this has been um, an absolute pleasure, an absolute honor. Um, yeah, you've been on my radar now for so long. So yeah. going from being a student with a brain injury you know, to feeling mm -hmm. like I got an enormous amount of value to the, 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 the ever slow process of getting to know you even better, and having you here, this is uh, this has been phenomenal, mate. Thank you so much. Um, before we go, though, we do have uh, a link that you guys can get. Um, if you guys want to check out the masterclass that, uh, that Jim did for our clients. this Now, I should point out, this was actually done as an exclusive masterclass mm -hmm. specifically for our VIP clients. Now, so this normally wouldn't be released to the general public, but we're, uh, we're doing something a little bit special here. So if you go to quickbrain.com 
forward slash Kerwin, K-E-R-W-I-N. Uh, for a limited time, we're going to give you guys access to that. So you're going to be able to yeah. go through that entire masterclass uh, that our high-end VIP clients who pay us ridiculous sums of money have been able to get access to. Uh, this would normally be a paid program, but for a limited time, you guys can access that for free mm-hmm. uh, and check it out. And I, so, I think you'll get an enormous amount of value. Thank you. Yeah, people just, my last name is spelled Quick, K-W-I-K. Oh, yeah. It's my real last name. It's uh, Quick Brain. I didn't change it to do what I do. <laughs> my, it's my father's name, my grandfather's name. You know what, that name. was actually one question I forgot to write down. Jim Quick, that is, it's, it's it legit. Is. It, I, it, I had to be a runner back in school. Uh, it's a lot of pressure when it says quick right on your shirt. And no kidding. I have to be careful speeding because you're not going to talk your way out of that speeding ticket well, when I it says quick right I, on your shirt. But again, when you look at this from a symbolic perspective, like yeah. there's a lot of meaning in that. It's like the universe yeah. spoke when your name was it, given. It did. Quick. So you go to quickbrain.com, kwkbrain.com forward slash Kerwin, and you can get access to that special masterclass. And then I talk about 10 keys for unlocking what I call your quick brain. I talk about morning rituals, some of the things I do every single morning to activate that. We talked about with your team, how to remember names. We talked about how to overcome information overload and focus in a world full of distraction. I mean, it is- It is uh, an absolute bull terror. Yeah. It is fantastic. fantastic. Amazing. Jim, and then can I challenge everyone to please? do something? Yeah, of course. I challenge everybody because I feel like it, if we could have a conversation, um, things sometimes could change, something's not. So I challenge everybody to take knowledge and turn it into action that I would challenge everyone to take a screenshot of this episode or this video or this form or maybe a video of yourself, uh, tag Kerwin, tag myself. I'm at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K on Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook. But tag us in it and share your big aha. I feel like that one of the ways of learning faster is to teach somebody else. When we teach, we get to learn things twice. And even when you learn, when you go through Kerwin's material, my material, and you learn with the intention of talking and giving a presentation on it or teaching somebody else on your team or your family member, then you're going to learn it better. You're going to have better focus. You're going to take better notes. You're going to ask better questions. And so I I would say always learn with the intent of teaching and paying it forward. Mm. And so um, my challenge is screenshot it, tag us both so we see it, and share your big aha. What's one thing you got out of this conversation or one thing you're going to do after it and post it, and all people know me that follow me on on these on Instagram and so on. That I, I repost my some of my favorites out there, and I give some of my favorite books out because I believe leaders are readers. That if somebody has decades, you know, I went from the person who couldn't read to somebody who reads almost a book a day wow. for four four and a half years. I read a book a day, but if somebody the reason why is because somebody has decades of experience and they put it into a book, and you could sit down and read it in a few days. You could download decades in a days. Mm. You know, in the master class that, we, that we're giving away for free, we actually talk about speed reading and such and how you could actually read because, you know, and read for retention. My clients are some of the top doctors in the world. You don't want your doctor to get the gist of what she's reading, <laughs> you know, so we really retain it. But I, I would encourage everyone to read more and schedule that every single day also. But, um, but post your big ahas and I'll it. reward people that way. And uh, yeah, I this really is, thank you also for what you do. I, I just have to honor you because... Most people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes of, mm. of the impact that people are making and the, the sleepless nights. And um, and so thank you for the cape that you wear, you, and you, you and you and your team, because I feel like this is what the world needs. 
you know, more people who discover and are developing other people's superpowers. And just having superpowers doesn't make you a superhero, though. You have to use those powers for good,、mm. you know. And I think all of us have this ability to be unstoppable. That your life is like an egg. That if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. begins. And great things tend to begin on the inside.、Mm. And I believe everybody who's listening to this, especially if you're still listening to this, that you have greatness inside of you. You have genius inside of you. And when you it, have superpowers, you do. You, you Abs- really do. Absolutely. So that's the reason why, even with the superhero school, that's why, you know, I do our podcast. You know, 15 minute show teaching people how to do this. It's like our superhero university. How good would it be if we actually started to teach our kids this in schools? And because that's one thing I do with my son Noah. Like he's literally convinced that I'm a superhero. Like he、mm-hmm. thinks his dad is a legit, and I've convinced him that he's a superhero as well. Yeah. And I think imagine the impact that we could have at that on the next generation if we literally started empowering our kids with the ability to think they have powers that can affect they, the world. And they do.、Mm. And I, and I, th- I really do believe that our our superpowers are a unique story. Are unique because nobody, nobody could be nobody could be you better than than you.、Yeah. And I also think our other superpower is is our mind. That our this science has not found anything more complex than this three pound matter between our ears called our brain. But it doesn't come with an owner's manual. But our life is a reflection of our of our brain. And you want to if you want to change your life, you have to change your brain. If you want to change your world. Life is、Good、like the greatest、start. American hero. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I do. I love that show. And、um, for those who remember what that show is, it shows how old you <laughs> I are. I know. Uh, but about the guy driving through the desert gets beamed up into this spaceship, and they give him this briefcase with a, a superhero suit inside and a, and a user's manual. And he gets beamed back down to Earth. And as he's walking back to his car in the middle of the desert, the, desert, the user's manual falls out. And he gets in the car, gets home, puts on his super Superman uniform, and he's like, "Wow, I've got the Superman uniform, but there's no instructions." And I love the metaphor because、yeah. he literally flies through the roof, crashes into buildings,、yeah. and the whole metaphor is we've all been given the super suit. We have this biological superpower. We do. No one gave us the user's manual, and I believe、yeah. that the the game is just remember. Yeah, you've got this. Exactly.、Remember. I think the ultimate quest that we're all on together is to realize, to reveal, to express our 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 full potential. Yeah, and、uh, that's a good place to start. It's great to have you here, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> wow! This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you get to see all of these interviews in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think, and also let you know that your comments. Help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website kerwinray.com and also check us out on all social media on the handle at kerwinray. Thanks for joining us.